Good morning. Happy Sabbath. It's good to see everybody here today. Uh, we have like a lot of people this morning. Um, I am very excited to be here again. Uh, last time I spoke here was about a year ago, and time has flown so quickly, at least for me. And so I can't believe it's already been a year, and I'm really happy to be here today. Um, I'm super excited. I really love Avon Hope for many reasons. Uh, one is I love the messages. Uh, the messages, when I come here, I know will be Bible-based, they'll be solid, and I will enjoy it. I enjoy the people, the friends I make, and meeting new people as well. And I really enjoy the responsiveness of uh, Avon Hope whenever I do teach or preach. And so I'm very excited for today's message. Um, I, I love motivational messages. Do you? I, you know, the world is full of bad news. And it's on the news, it's on social media, and if you focus too much on bad news, by beholding, you'll become changed. And so if we focus on bad news, negative news, it will have an effect on us. But as Christians, we are called to focus on who? Jesus, Christ, the gospel. And the gospel is good news. And so we are called as Christians to focus on good news, and by beholding good news on a regular basis, it will have a positive effect on us. Amen? Amen? And so today I hope you'll be inspired. I hope that you'll be blessed uh, with this simple message entitled, Don't Give Up, But Get Up. Now, I have a confession to make. Uh, from time to time when I speak at different churches, um, what I sometimes do is I recycle my messages. Uh, I, I might share one thing here, and I'll share the same message somewhere else. And so I have shared this message before. Um, I have a little thing that I do on Facebook Live, I give Bible studies, and I might have shared it there, and I might have shared this also in Tennessee somewhere. But if you guys have heard this before, repetition deepens the impression, amen? <laughs> but I hope you'll still be blessed, I hope you'll still be inspired. Uh, but with that being said, why don't we pray and get into God's Word. Loving Father, I am very excited to present your Word today. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that Jesus would be lifted up on high. Please bless everybody who is here and those listening uh, online as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't give up, get up. You know, um, Arden told me, um, try to use my own pictures. Uh, I used to use Google Photos, so most of the pictures here are actually my pictures. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to Mammoth. I went snowboarding, which is pretty crazy uh, in the summer. I'm, I'm home for summer break, and I went snowboarding. And I'll be sharing some of those stories here. In fact, I still have a little bit of pain from falling. But I will be sharing about that. Don't give up, but get up. Life is full of discouragements. Life is full of bad news. And if you watch the news, if you watch social media, there's a lot of negative things that are being posted around. And if you focus too much, it will definitely affect you. We are called to focus on the positive. But because of bad news, we might feel discouraged and we might feel as if we want to give up and whatever that case might be. You might be going through a financial difficulty or a spiritual difficulty or an educational difficulty. And because of difficulties, we might feel as if we want to give up because of our discouragements, especially when it comes to our walk with God. Sometimes we might be walking with God and because it's not working out the way we thought it would, Christianity is not as easy as we thought it would be, we tend to get discouraged and we want to walk away. In fact, we're not the only ones. Even in the Bible, people were very, very discouraged. But Jesus came to the world to give us good news and to encourage us. While the devil works to discourage, Jesus works to encourage. 
And so, if you guys have your Bibles, I, I put some of the verses on the screen, but some of them are not on the screen, so you're going to have to follow me. But we're going to take a look here. Oh, let me turn this on. The Bible says in Proverbs, Proverbs 15, verse 23. Proverbs 15, verse 23, the Bible tells us, A man has what, everyone? Joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? When you hear good words, when you hear good news, it can really motivate you, especially if your love language is words of affirmation, right? When you hear someone speaking good words, it can boost your spirit. If you hear people speaking negative words, it might discourage you. But the word of God is good, amen? And so the word of God is a good word that I pray will encourage us today. We're going to look at some texts that are very, very familiar. Oh, thank you. My mouth's getting kind of dry. We're going to look at some texts that are very familiar, but it's good review. Let's take a look at this text here. Proverbs 24, verse 16. I'm pretty sure you guys are very familiar with this text, but it's not on the screen, so you have to look it up this time. Proverbs 24, verse 16. Are we all there? I'm not there. Psalms, Proverbs, chapter 24, and we are looking at verse 16. Amen? Are we all there? Okay. The Bible says, for a righteous man may fall how many times? Okay. But what does he do after he falls? He rises again. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. So just simple math here. Um, How many times does a righteous person fall? Seven. How many times does the wicked person fall? Just once. Why is it that the righteous person is considered righteous when obviously that person fell many more times? They get up, right? However, the wicked person does not get up. They stay down. Now, these are my pictures, so I did go to Mammoth, and I will share a little story about my snowboarding experience. But um, the righteous man, he falls more times, but the secret is that he gets up again, whereas the wicked falls and stays down. Now, the number seven is not a random number. The number seven is a very special number in Scripture. What does the number seven represent in the Bible? Okay, perfection, um, completeness, right? What are some examples of the number seven being used in Scripture? Okay, obviously the Sabbath, right? Today is a Sabbath. God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. And so at the end of seven days, the world was complete. The creation was perfected, right? And I think I have a slide for that. Yes, God created the world in seven days. Now, where else do we see the number seven in the Bible? That could kind of tie into perfection or being complete. Okay, forgiveness, okay. Um, Jesus says to forgive someone 70 times 7, okay, which is pretty much an infinite number in a sense. But um, let's check this out here. Remember the three Hebrew boys and the fiery furnace? Remember how Nebuchadnezzar was so angry that they would not bow down to his golden image? So the punishment was to throw them into the fiery furnace, but because he was especially angry... He said, all right, you know what, I'm not just angry, I'm very angry. Heat that furnace up, not once, not twice, but seven times hotter than usual. 
That number seven, I don't think it's an accident. I don't even know why he chose seven. Why not six or eight? But he chose seven. And, you know, the fire in the Bible could represent trials. It could also represent um, a, a, a time where God can purify you. They were thrown to the fiery furnace that was heated seven times hotter, which in a sense was perfecting their character. It was in a sense this tribulation was perfecting, you know, any kind of blemish that they might have. It, it was kind of perfecting Perfecting them. In fact, when they were thrown in the fiery furnace, they were thrown in tied, right? They were bound, but when they came out, they were not bound. And so it could show us that when God allows us to go through trials, it might be so that it could unbound us, unbind us, and so that we could have a, a closer walk with God. And in that trial, Jesus was with them. So it's pretty amazing. There's another case that I could think of, of the number seven, which could kind of represent perfection in a sense and that is a story found in mark chapter 16 verse 9 if you have your bibles go with me there mark 16 verse 9 mark 16 and we're going to start reading in verse 9 the bible says in mark 16 verse 9 speaking of jesus resurrection now when he jesus rose early on the first day of the week he appeared first to who Okay, he first appeared to Mary, not Peter, not James, not John. He first appeared to Mary. Now, Mary must have been very special for her to be the very first person to see Jesus resurrected. She was probably without sin, do you think? She probably never made any mistakes. Well, let's read more about her. We're Mark 16, verse 9. The Bible says, he rose early on the first day of the week. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast out how many demons? Seven demons. And if I'm correct in my understanding, these were seven separate occasions. So this woman was demon-possessed. She was not perfect, and perhaps she's backslidden many times, but even though she's made many mistakes, she got up again by God's grace. You know, some of us might feel discouraged you know, maybe you were walking with God and you, you were having a good time walking with God, but then you fell and you backslid. And then you might think, well, because I'm backslidden, there's no hope. That's not the case here. This woman backslid <laughs> and she got up again and was the first person to see Jesus resurrected. What I'm trying to say, friends, is you don't give up, you get up. And yet so many people throw in the towel so quickly and they give up on Jesus when Jesus has not given up on them. You know, Jesus paid too high of a price for us to be discouraged and to give up so easily. We are to get back up and move forward by faith because God supplies us the grace. Now, I said I was going to share a little story here of when I went snowboarding. Um, I don't know if I shared it here before, but I, I remember my first time snowboarding several years ago um, was not the most pleasant experience ever. <laughs> you know, snowboarding is a lot of fun. Does anyone here snowboard? Okay, some of us, half of us. You know, it's a lot of fun, and, uh, but the first time you do it is not that fun. And, and the reason is because, well, at least for me it wasn't that fun, is because you will guaranteed you're going to fall. And um, I went with one of my friends, Mike, and Mike, he loves to snowboard. That's like his ultimate passion. And um, anytime he can go snowboarding, he will go snowboarding. And it was towards the end of the snowboarding season. 
and he told me, hey, Genesis, do you want to go snowboarding with me? It's already at the end of the season, but we can still get one more day. And so we went, and it was not snow, it was ice. Now, that's not as bad if you, are, if you, if you know how to snowboard, but this is my first time, and I was guaranteed to fall. And if you fall on ice, it's not a pleasant experience. Well, anyway, I, I went, and he was teaching me the basics, how to balance myself, how to turn left and right, and, um, you know, the basics. And I'm just trying to learn how to balance myself. And finally, I learned how to balance myself so I don't fall. But the problem is I, I have not mastered how to go left or right or even how to stop. And as I'm going down this steep slope, I'm just going down in a straight line. And I'm not going left or right. I'm not carving. I'm not slowing down. I'm just going, and I'm accelerating in speed. And because it's the end of winter and everything is um, melting, the, 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 the path that I was going down to starts to divide into two. I could either go left or right, or I could stop, or I could go straight forward. Well, I didn't know how to turn left. I didn't know how to turn right. And I didn't know how to stop. <laughs> so I went straight. And it was nothing but the earth. So I went from snowboarding to earthboarding. And um, there I was, just uh, earthboarding. And then as I'm on the, the, the dry brown earth, I'm thinking to myself, something's going to happen. One is, this has to end eventually. Number two, it's going to hurt. <laughs> and uh, it's not going to be pleasant. And yet it all happened as I predicted. It did come to an end. And I did fall. And it was painful. It was so painful that I couldn't sleep on my back for several weeks. And I had to drive to work the next day. I couldn't sit straight on my chair. I had to sit at an angle because of all the pain from falling so hard. That was not a pleasant experience. Now, I don't know if it was the same day or another time when I went snowboarding, but I just remember um, as I was going down the mountain, you know, every time I would fall, it would be ungraceful. It's not pretty. And I would eat the snow literally, and the snow would go and get into my jacket. And like uh, one time I was so klutzy, I fell into a, a puddle, and um, I got all wet. And so I, I, I was not the most uh, graceful snowboarder, but I remember I fell really klutzy, right underneath the ski lift. And it, was a, it wasn't a pleasant fall. It just looked really, it, it was just really goofy. And my pride is the one that hurt this time. And people on the ski lift were looking down on me, like literally looking down, because they're up above me, and they're looking down. And my pride was so hurt, I thought to myself, you know, this, this is not fun. You know, they're probably laughing at me. I can hear laughing. But I don't think they were laughing at me. It's just because they're the, the, the environment. They're having a good time. But I was sensitive, and I thought, they're laughing at me for sure. And I feel really dumb right now. And I thought to myself, I am done with snowboarding. I want to quit doing this. Uh, I don't know why Mike brought me out here. Why did he do this? I'm just going to sit here and have a pity party until, until he's done snowboarding. Then I'll go home. And as I'm sitting there all by myself in the cold, you know, feeling sorry for myself, um, and hearing people laughing and all that, or I think they're laughing at me, I see other people having a good time. And I think to myself, how come they're having a good time and I'm not? But why is it that they're, they know how to snowboard without falling, but I always fall? What's the difference between me and them? And I thought to myself, I wish I could be skillful like them. 
And I felt this impression come to my mind. I don't know if it was from God or where it came from, but I felt this impression that the difference between me and them is that they at one point were beginners like me, but they chose to get back up and go again. Whereas for me, I'm choosing to stay down. And as long as I choose to stay down defeated and discouraged, I will never learn. The reason why they're better than me or they're more skillful is because they chose to get back up. And that's the difference. When we think about our spiritual walk, our walk with God, it's very easy for us to be discouraged. It's easy for us to, to, to feel bad when we make mistakes and then we feel that everyone's looking down on us and we wonder how come other people are walking with God successfully. The secret is that we need to keep getting up and not allow the discouragements to keep us down. A lot of times, because of our negative thinking, we are suffering when we don't have to suffer. But because we entertain uh, pessimistic, negative thoughts, we are unnecessarily going through things that we don't have to go through. Jesus wants to encourage us, and he wants to encourage us with his word. And so we see the number seven. It represents perfection. Uh, God is teaching us we need to keep getting up and keep moving forward by his grace. Now, I love what Peter says in this passage. Let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And I think we're going to start in verse 66. You know, when it comes to Peter, um, Peter, either he when, he, when he speaks, either he hits a home run or he strikes out. And in this particular case, Peter actually hits a home run. Let's go to John chapter 6, starting in verse 66. Are we all there? Okay. And the Bible says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Now, let me just give you the context. Jesus, besides his 12 disciples, had 70 other disciples. But it came to a point where they could not agree with the teachings of Jesus. And so they decided not to walk with Jesus anymore. They walked away. And I can imagine Jesus was heartbroken. And with a heart broken, he turned to his disciples and he asked them a question. Verse uh, 67, then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? But I love the response of Peter. Verse 68, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I want you to ponder upon that for just a moment. Peter says, Lord, if we leave you, where are we going to go? <laughs> There, there is nowhere else to go if we walk away from you. Now, I want you to think about this. This is just a random scenario I came up for this morning just to help us understand. It's not the best one. But imagine you are in a desert, and you're in the middle of a desert, middle of nowhere, and it's many, many miles until civilization. And you are there backpacking or just hiking with a friend, and your friend is equipped with an infinite amount of water and food and nutrients to survive, okay? And civilization is not for another 100 miles or so, and you're on foot. Now, let's just say that for whatever reason, um, you offended this person 
who is supplying you your water and food, okay? And then because you feel bad that you offended him, you decide, you know what? I'm no longer worthy to walk with you. I'm just going to walk on this journey all by myself, <laughs> back to civilization. What's going to happen to you? You are going to die, right? And so the reality is this. You cannot leave that person. You need to stay with that person because they have the supplies to keep you alive. When it comes to Jesus, a lot of times, you know, sometimes the devil, what he does is he tries to discourage us. We've offended God. We sinned against God, who is the supplier of our life, the supplier of all our blessings. And because we feel bad that we've fallen short of God's glory, we decide, you know what? Because I'm not worthy, I'm going to walk away from God. I'm going to try to just do my own thing. But the reality is that God is the one who sustains us. And if we walk away from God, where would we go? We would eventually perish, right? And so God does not want us to be disconnected from him. God wants us to remain connected to him. You know, when you think about how the devil works and versus how God works, the devil will guilt trip you, but God will convict you. When God convicts you of your sin, the purpose of conviction is to bring you to your knees so that you would ask for God's forgiveness and for his grace. That's the purpose. When the devil guilt trips you, even after you ask for forgiveness, he'll still bother you to the point where you would say, you know what, I'm no longer worthy to walk with God. I just want to walk on my own. Do you see the difference? One is God convicts you to bring you closer to him. The devil guilt trips you to discourage you from your walk with God. And so often, because you know, our nature wants to focus on the negative, when we fall short of God's glory, we want to walk away sometimes. I've had friends who I've done ministry with that they get burnt out. And because they feel burnt out, they say it's easier to walk away from God than to walk with God. And it's unfortunate because we allow the devil to put these negative thoughts into our mind. Peter said, Lord, if we leave, where would we go? There is nowhere else to go but to walk with Jesus. Now, I love this Bible text here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. God says, I will give you the strength to not sin. I will give you the power not to fall. But if you did fall, if you do fall, God says, you have an advocate. You know, God really wants us to be saved. Amen? That's God's number one priority. God is not trying to keep us out of heaven. God is trying to bring us into heaven. And God says, I will give you the strength to stand. But even if you do mess up, even if you do fail, there is grace. Amen? There is grace. The Bible tells us that where sin has abounded, grace even much more abounds. Some of us feel, I am too great of a sinner for God to save. I am too great of a sinner for God to take me back. And as great as a sinner you are, I'm here to tell you that God, Jesus, is a greater Savior. I think it was Taj Pakalib who said, when I look to myself, I don't see how I could be saved. But when I look to Jesus, I don't see how I could be lost. What I'm trying to encourage you to do today, brothers and sisters, is to stop focusing on yourself, your successes, your failures, but rather focus on God. 
focus on his goodness because by beholding Christ, you will become changed more and more into the image of Christ. Don't give up, but get up. Don't fall and be discouraged, but if you do fall, get up by the grace of God. Sometimes we allow trials to bother us. Sometimes we wonder, why is God allowing me to go through a trial when I'm his servant? Have you ever wondered that? Now, intellectually, we might know the answer, but when we are actually in a trial, we might feel very, very discouraged. But it's really interesting. The Bible teaches us that the disciples of Jesus, the apostles, whenever they were persecuted for Christ, they counted it as a privilege. You know, there's a time in the Bible which Paul and Silas, after being beaten, were thrown into prison, but what were they doing in prison? They were singing. And they were singing because they felt worthy of, 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 they were joyful that God allowed them to suffer for his sake. And so in a sense, in our Christian experience, we can come to a point where we look forward, in a sense, to the, the tribulation, the persecution, because we know it will grow us. You know, one of my friends said this several years ago. He says, Genesis, I don't get it. Why do we go to the gym? Why do we go to the gym and we pay a lot of money? Some gyms are very expensive. And we spend all that time. And at the end of the day, after our workout, we feel very, very sore. If you worked out hard enough, you will feel very sore. He says, it doesn't make any sense. But what we conclude is that the reason why we're willing to spend money, time, and sacrifice comfort is because we know that there will be results and there will be growth. Because we know that there will be results, whether you're trying to lose weight or gain mass or whatever the case might be, because of the results, and that is your focus, you'll do whatever it takes. You'll pay the money, the membership. You'll, you'll spend the time. You will be willing to sacrifice your comfort and feel sore. Why? Because your focus is the growth. And in the same way, spiritually speaking, you might wonder, like, why, why should we suffer for the kingdom of God? Why should we put in our time for God? Why should we, you know, all these different things, make sacrifices for God? But our focus should be on growing and to become more like Jesus. When God permits us to go through a trial, it might be because God trusts us in that trial. I think about Job. The Bible tells us that Job was a righteous man. He was very rich. And he was probably one of the very few righteous people in the world. And you know the story. The devil comes to God and says, look, no one fears you. And it's God who brings up Job's name. And the reality is that God brought up Job's name because God could trust Job with trials. And it makes us think that when God allows you and I to go through trials... It could be because God trusts us with those trials. And he knows that we can handle them, and at the end of the day, we could bring him glory. So when you are going through trials that knock you down, my encouragement to you is don't stay down, but get up again and bring glory to God. You never know who might be watching you. Somebody might be going through something, but if you go through the same thing and you're victorious, that might encourage somebody to also be victorious as well. So do not give up, but get up and move forward by the grace of God. Uh, a few months ago, my friends and I, we ran our first marathon together. 
And um, let me just say that uh, running a marathon, has anyone here run a marathon before? Okay, we have some people who have run a marathon. Um, you know, running a marathon requires endurance. And it requires physical training and mental training. And of course, obviously, physical training, right? You can't just, well, actually, some people do this uh, without training, they'll, they'll actually run a marathon. But it's not wise, right? If you're going to run a marathon, uh, the best thing to do is to train for it on a regular basis. And there's two reasons for that. One is to develop your physical ability. And number two is to develop your mental ability. I remember on Thanksgiving Day, my friends and I, we ran 14 miles. And we did it for two reasons. We wanted to train for the marathon, and we didn't want to feel guilty eating Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> and so we did that. But there was a point for that, and the reason is this. We figured if we could run as much as we can before the marathon, when the marathon actually happens, we could mentally be prepared and say, hey, I've done most of this already. I've already done more than half of the marathon already. I can do this. Because when it comes to running, it's a mental game. You know, when it comes to the spiritual walk or the spiritual race, it can also be mental. And that's why I believe God allows us to go through the, the smaller tribulations throughout life in order to toughen us and to prepare us for things ahead of time. When you think about a final exam, and I think you guys took a final, those of you who are students, not too long ago. When you think of a final, it's supposed to be the most intense um, test, probably. But prior to that, throughout the school year, you'll have quizzes and other smaller exams that will toughen you up and prepare you for the final. God wants to prepare each and every one of us. And so one way to look at trials is that this is God's way of toughening me up. This is God's way of preparing me mentally, spiritually, emotionally to go through the trials ahead. And so if you are going through something, I want to encourage you to hang on to Jesus. Jesus, he trusts you with that trial. And sometimes the trials we go through are very, very difficult. I don't understand. I don't have all the answers. But I want to encourage you guys, don't give up in the hard times. Don't give up, but get up and move forward. You know, at the end of the day, it's not a matter of who comes in first, second, third, or last. It's a matter of finishing the race. That's what, that's what counts. Let me share with you guys one more story here of mine. Um, there was a, you know, at Southern, they have this uh, sprint triathlon. And it's, it's, it's very similar to the possibilities triathlon that you guys have here. Um, it's very small. So we had to um, swim half a mile. We had to... Um, was it bike 18 miles and run four miles. Um, nothing in comparison to an Ironman. Very, very small. My problem was that I did not train as much as I should have. And all my friends, they were training all the time. And, you know, I had no problem running. I had no problem biking. My problem was the swimming part. And I didn't swim. I didn't practice swimming enough. My friends were worried. They're like, Genesis, you can't take floaties on this. You need to learn how to swim. Well, I know how to swim, but they're like, you need to learn how to swim more um, efficiently. Uh, but I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I kind of put it off, which was a big mistake. And when race day came, I was very nervous. Because it wasn't like the pool. You could just stop and catch your breath. This was out in the lake, out in the open. Uh, and 
I was very nervous. And they, they, they divided us into different groups, guys, girls, and age brackets. I was in the first bracket. And they color code us with these swim caps. And my color code was a bright red swim cap. So you could see where I'm at, and you could see where everybody else is at in my age bracket. And we're in the water, and they blow the whistle, or whatever it is, and we go, and everybody takes off, and I'm there just trying to catch up. I can't even catch up to them. And then a few minutes later goes by, they blow the whistle again, and the next group comes in, and they pass me up. And I think there's four groups. And then the next group comes in a few minutes later, they pass me up, and then the next group comes in, and they pass me up. And we're color-coded, so I'm the bright red cap, and they know, they're like, wait, that guy was in the first category. <laughs> Why is he so far behind? I was so tired, I had to rest on the lifeguard's canoe. And um, that was my pride. You know, I thought, you know, I'm going to die, or I'm, I'm going to drown, or I, I'm just, my, that's it. My pride is done for. And I'm swimming, and, um, you know, I get tired, so I try to doggy paddle it. I think I might have doggy paddled a lot of it, actually. And uh, that was not a pleasant experience. And I know, my friends told me, you have to be out of the water at a certain time or you will be disqualified. And I'm thinking, this is not a good thing. And so I, at the end of the day, um, I was one of the last ones out of the water. I think second to the last one out of the water. And I had this bright red cap on, so they knew it was me. But I don't understand why there was people standing at shore just waiting there. Like, your family and friends already went ahead. Why are you still there? But they're all watching and they were laughing. But, um, you know, when I got out of the water, you know, I was one of the first ones in the water and probably one of the last people, second to the last person out of the water. I had to make sure I wasn't last. I had to, I, I got out of the water before that one guy, just a few seconds. But even though I was the last one out of the water, at the end of the day, guess what? I finished the race by God's grace. I was not first or second or third. But I did finish it. I did finish it. And I didn't finish last either. So what I'm trying to say is this, guys. Whatever it takes, finish the race. Whatever it takes. If you have to swim like, um, was it Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer? If you can swim like him, great. If you have to doggy paddle, whatever it takes. If you have to take a break and rest on the lifeguard's canoe like what I did, do whatever it takes, but finish the race. Don't give up. Get up. Move forward by the grace of God. He will sustain you. He promised it. In fact, the Bible says here, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're reading verse 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. And he, Jesus, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God's strength is perfected in our weakness. And we'll keep on reading here. It says, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you boast about your weakness? People don't tend to boast about, hey, I came in last. I didn't boast about that. I was really embarrassed about that. 
But people, don't tend, people tend to boast about their greatness. Like, I came in first. But Paul says, I'm going to boast in my weakness. Why? Because in his weakness, that's when he's made strong. Notice here, we're in 2 Corinthians, we're still in chapter 12, verse 9. Okay, let's read verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, how are you strong when you're obviously weak? Well, he's strong because the moment you realize your weakness is perhaps the moment you'll realize your need for Christ. And when you realize your need for Christ, you will turn to him, and his strength becomes your strength. You might be weak, but that's when you realize how much you need him, and he will give you so much more strength if you never had come to him in the first place. And I think that's an object lesson for each and every one of us. Sometimes God allows us to struggle or sometimes even hit rock bottom, so that we could realize how much we, could, we need to rely on him and not on ourselves. So often we want to rely on our own strength, our own power, our own abilities. But when we hit rock bottom and there's nothing that we could do about it except pray, that's the time we could totally depend upon God to give us the strength to overcome. Brothers and sisters, again, I want to encourage you. Don't give up on your walk with God. Get up. Move forward. If you feel discouraged, spiritually discouraged, emotionally discouraged, I want to encourage you to turn to God in prayer. Ask Him for grace and allow God to fight your battles for you. This is a promise that He has made. And God really wants to help us. The, the biggest thing that God wants for each and every one of us is that we would be saved. And that we would make an effort to help others to be saved by knowing Jesus Christ. So don't give up, friends. Get up. Move forward. Do it for your own benefits, your own salvation, but also do it for the sake of others. Other people will be blessed and inspired when they see that you are not giving up, but that you are moving forward for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Loving Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for that simple uh, message on not giving up, but getting up. Father, it's very easy for us to give up and to feel discouraged in the tough times. But Father, I pray that you would help us, give us the grace and the strength to stand up and to move forward by your grace. Father, help us to do this because perhaps other people are watching us. And if they could see that we could overcome by your grace, they might be inspired to also overcome by your grace. So please bless us, Father, and bless every person here and those listening online. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.